0: Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein.
1: This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right
0: here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Trot Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz. Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi,
2: we're Haim. And you're listening to the Talk House Podcast.
0: Ow! Hello, and welcome to the Talk House Podcast. I'm executive editor Josh Modell. This week we've got a great conversation between two singer-songwriter-guitarist-band leaders known for blurring similar genre lines from punk to country to pop to Americana and who've been doing it a long time. Mike Ness is the frontman of legendary band Social Distortion, which started out in the L.A. punk margins way back in 1978 and went on to sell millions of records over a lengthy career. And though they haven't released an album in quite a while, Ness is working on new Social Distortion material, a lot of it, as you'll hear in this talk. Ness met Ben Nichols of Lucero back in 2010 when Lucero opened for Social Distortion, and the two got along great. In a small world twist, Ness's son Julian recently opened for Lucero as part of Jade Jackson's band. They get into that world a little bit here as well. Lucero recorded their 10th album during COVID lockdown, and When You Found Me was released in early 2021. It's a slightly mellower Lucero on display here with some 80s-styled synthesizer, think Tom Petty synthesizer, not Human League, in the mix. Check out a little bit of the song Back in Ohio. Like every other band at the moment, Lucero is off the road, though they do have a gig coming up in March at what looks like a really cool socially distanced outdoor venue called the Caverns Above Ground Amphitheater in their home state of Tennessee. Nichols and Ness have a great discussion here about songwriting, production, and their family lives. Both have creative kids, which brings a whole new dimension to their lives and careers. Enjoy. Enjoy.
2: How are you, Ben? Man, I'm doing great, Mike. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. Oh yeah, no problem. I, I
1: sorry about the uh,
2: delay. And... Oh no, it was the holidays. I was stuff was nuts for me um, here at the house. Even with the lockdown and the COVID and everything, I'm still crazy busy.
1: It's good to be occupied during this time. I think. For sure,
2: um, and yeah, we've been, we've done a good job of keeping busy. We got that new record; it just got released on Friday. I'm real happy with it. Oh, uh, good. Um, it's a little bit different than some of the stuff we've done in the past. In what way? Uh, we use synthesizers on it. Okay. <laughs> I kind of wanted to go for a little bit of that '80s radio sure. kind of vibe. So that's kind of that's throwing some of the Lucero fans for a loop. But it, it, at its core, it still sounds like a Lucero record. Yeah. It's just got a few new they'll sounds on it. it. They'll, uh, it yeah, they'll, I mean. they'll come around. Um, but no, nah, it's been fairly positive response so far. Mm-hmm. Now personally, personally, I'm 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 real happy with it. I'm Ooh, glad good it's finally good. out. Yeah. What have you been up to lately?
1: I'm also writing. I'm getting ready to do a record. But I, I, also, I've been for 20 years paying rent for a shop to keep my cars in. Right it's a subject of contention with the wife because it's just money throwing away for rent and I finally bought something and I've been making that move and it's been brutal. If the whole thing would have burnt down, I probably wouldn't even noticed it missing out of my life, (laughs) some of the stuff. Right. Then here I am schlepping it again from one house to another and
2: well, yeah. you're a pretty big you're a pretty big collector,
1: right? Some people call it collecting, some people call it hoarding. <laughs> right. You, know, right. And you don't really realize it till it's
2: time to move it. Yeah. I hate moving. I haven't done a whole lot of it, at least in the recent years. I got lucky because I got married about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And my wife's from Ohio. So she's from the Akron area. Mm -hmm. And so when we got married, I bought a house up here. My daughter was born up here in Ohio, but I've still got the Memphis place. I've still got the Uh house there. So that's where I can keep anything I want in Memphis. (laughs) And all the nice stuff is in the Ohio house with the family and and the wife. I'm talking to you from my basement here in Ohio. What I like about Ohio is you don't have basements down in Tennessee or Arkansas. You got Uh not fancy ones like they have up north. Oh, not
1: definitely... I could see you got it all finished out. too.
2: Yeah, we bought yeah. it from an old couple. He he was an engineer for NASA or something. And yeah. He he decked this bar out. Um, yeah. yeah, naughty pine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's a What's wrong with naughty pine. Lockdowns. It's cozy. Easier it's if you pine. got a cozy bar, I what anyone says about it, it's, it's always cozy. I've been doing a bunch of interviews from down here recently, just for this. It's fun interviewing new people, isn't it? yeah and i don't I know, really like it i have a tendency to just kind of say the same stuff over and over and All i'm right. like who's who's gonna listen to this stuff over and over again
1: <laughs> but i mean do you like interviewing people
2: doing interviews i don't know if i've ever interviewed anybody to tell you the okay. truth am i am I, am I interviewing you now am i interviewing you are you interviewing me <laughs> does not matter i don't think it matters we're just having a phone call which i haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, huh? it's
1: been a while.
2: I think our tour that we did that y'all took us out in maybe two thousand ten or something like yeah. that. It was a it was a long time ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've talked mm-hmm. with John a couple big John a couple times. Just, uh
2: John C back in Memphis.
1: Yeah, well you and you guys took Jay Jackson out, he would give me reports and that was really
2: fun. I thank you so much for doing that. They that they had the time of their lives on that. So your son Julian's in that band. With Jay Jackson, yes, and yeah, they went on tour with Lucero. That actually, I think that wasn't too long before the lockdown happened. We were out with them, yeah, but it was a good match for the band. Uh, we really were a big fan of their stuff. Maybe they learned a little bit from us, uh, for better or for worse.
1: I know they did. When you're that young, going out for your first, and you're with a, a seasoned band, it's just like school. Totally.
2: Cool. We went through the same thing. There was a band called the North Mississippi All-Stars, another Mm -hmm. Memphis band. They were uh, Jim Dickinson's kids. Okay. You heard the name Jim Dickinson. He's a producer. He worked with Big Star in Memphis and he did one of the Replacements records. Um, But he was well known around Memphis and uh, his kids were in a great band called the North Mississippi All-Stars. And they were a couple years ahead of us Mm -hmm. and they were playing to pretty big crowds. Mm -hmm. And they took us on our first tour they're in the tour bus and we're in the van trying to yeah. keep up and um, you learn how much you have to work out there. Yeah. But um, all the Jay Jackson kids, were they were great. And you produced their record, didn't you?
1: Yeah, both of them.
2: Both of them. How much production stuff have you done in the past?
1: Not a lot, but I really, really enjoy it because it's just like you're coming from the outside of the circle and you, you can just see things. In that artist that they don't see in themselves, and that's the lesson I learned from the producers I've worked with. You know, I mean, at times they pissed me off, and
2: totally, <laughs> and
1: telling me keep writing, and but that was some of the best lessons I ever learned. Was just, just like dig deeper and get get to the deeper levels for sure. You know, whether it's whether it's the writing, the lyrics, or the or the actual performance itself
2: we kind of had an experience like that. We worked with a guy named Ted Hutt, kind of in the middle of our career, I guess. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, we'd just been, uh we, did, we didn't we we did really have producers at first. You're right. just kind of doing it all on your own. Sure. And then yeah. we had some guys that were just pretty hands-off. You'd just go in there and you'd be like, was that good? Should I do it again? And they're like, sounds fine to me. And you're like, okay. Um, But Ted Hutt, he did uh, the 1372 Overton Park record with us uh-huh. and a couple more. And working with him was like going to, boot camp he like really put us through our paces especially with the performances just really trying to lock those in we'd been pretty loose before he was the first guy to ever come to rehearsal before we went into the studio so he's like he's like man try that verse that verse is your chorus and then write me a new verse Uh, or that bridge is your verse and you're switching stuff up and i'm like i've had this song for four months what am i okay fine um and yeah yeah that outside perspective is is tough to yeah, you can't get there on your own sometimes. I've never done any production.
1: Really fun, dude. It's like you're steering this little this ship. Very really fun, yeah. And you just get this focus too, this laser focus. And
2: I was like, man, I don't know how Ted Hutt is listening to our songs over and over and over again. Like once I've sung them and played them and yeah. I've heard it, I've heard the playback once or twice and done a yeah. little mix and I'm like, okay, I'm finished but the producer's job is to go in there and really fine tune it. I don't know if I have that kind of a attention span, but no, good for you, man. That's yeah. uh, the Jay Jackson record song. Great.
1: Thank you. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. And, and you you definitely learn from that, even though you're just producing, you're trying things. A lot of it is experimental. It's like,
2: Oh, I'm
1: going to do that. I like that.
2: And that's the fun part about recording and music kind of in general is that experimentation when you don't know if something's going to work and then it clicks all of a sudden and you're like, oh, yeah, that does work. Not sure.
1: I'm not sure. And then that one day you just go, I'm sure. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what makes rock and roll oh, so much fun. Um, yeah. I remember way back to when I was 14 years old and you're playing with some kids. The kid down the block has a drum set and another right. kid has a guitar and I was playing yeah. bass. Uh-huh. But just getting together that very first time—I mean, we were absolutely horrible. But just hearing that bass guitar with the drums and the drums uh-huh. with the guitar—and you're like, "Oh my God, this is how they do it! Oh, this is amazing!"
1: Yeah, I know. I remember, and you're hooked. I remember just like
2: there would be parties going
1: on on a Friday night, but I—I would, if I had the choice to jam with a drummer that night. Yeah. I, that's where I was.
2: That's kind of how I know me and Roy Berry, my drummer, Roy, mm-hmm. like just the two of us will get together. Yeah. And I'll maybe have some guitar parts. And if we can make that work, like if then he can you come have, up with a good, yeah, a good beat or I'm, a unique I'm beat. i kind the
1: same with me and Hidalgo. Cause it's really stripped down. Uh, when I was doing these uh, pre-production last year, you know, I felt bad because I was kind of excluding bass player right the keyboard player and even donnie for a little while it was it was just me and dave for a couple weeks and but it's just because i really needed to just hear the kick snare and the guitar and see if it was grooving Plus, it's a really groove when the bass exactly other guitar player come in
2: and you can kind of adjust your guitar parts As necessary, real easily, because nobody else is trying to keep up with what notes you're playing. So you can change the parts around, rearrange them. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's exactly how I like to work, too. I've even tracked
1: that way before. We do, too. Tracking, too, with just me and the drummer, really, because it's the foundation.
2: And it's real clean, and like you said, you can just kind of hear what's going on. You can hear all the open space that needs, what needs to be filled in, what doesn't. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Getting together with your drummer is a yeah. whole lot of fun. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you can kind of figure out how the vocal patterns lay over yeah. everything. And yeah, that's kind of been our, our method. The tricky part with the new record, like I said, we use the synthesizer song. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of started with my little brother is a movie maker. He's a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff, but he writes I, and directs I, movies. I don't know. He made um, Mud with Matthew McConaughey and Take Shelter. And the last one he made was uh, Loving. Okay. But um, he's doing real well. He's real talented. And he's used a little bit of Lucero stuff in each one of his films, even if it's just like the closing credits. Uh But I love his soundtrack guy, the guy that does his soundtracks, David Wingo. That's a skill set, isn't it? It's a whole different ballgame. But I was just messing around just on GarageBand in the basement with a little keyboard and different sounds and trying to do like movie cinematic type stuff. Right. So I kind of had that stuff laying around for years and then it came time to make a new Lucero record and I tried to transform those cinematic things into Lucero songs. I guess part of it was I had so much time by myself like usually we get together with the guys and you yeah you get together with Roy yeah. and you jam but this we we couldn't rehearse because we were in lockdown so I took these other things and kind of started from the keyboards which is something I'd never really done before.
1: Yeah.
2: We were coming at it from a different direction I think they still ended up being Lucero songs, but it was a different process this time.
1: I found that like when you write with another instrument, it's yeah. just a different mind thing. Like I, I, I bought this old Martin tenor guitar a couple, five years ago. Yeah, and I I didn't tune it the way they told me to. I tuned it just how I would want it.
2: How I don't, How are you supposed to tune it? tenor guitar is it not like a regular I don't know. guitar i just go e- e-a-e-a oh okay so right. i can bar it so i can almost like a
1: slide uh but they there was a whole nother way and i just like i couldn't wrap my mind around it and uh but those songs translated to normal songs but i never would have wrote in
2: those right i've
1: been messing around with this
2: yeah i've heard other guys talk about that too or you pick up Either a brand new instrument or just something yeah. that you don't usually write on. Yeah. I took piano lessons when I was a kid. I know my, I know my way around the keyboard a little I bit. Started piano lessons. It, dude. I, I need to take hard, lessons though, again. Man. It's real hard. <laughs> I forgot guitar. how.
1: They probably the piano players probably say guitar is hard, but right piano for me is like it's not it's not coming super easy.
2: No, if I tried to take piano lessons, it would be a chore. Uh, I can plunk around, and if I'm recording, <laughs> I'll record the right hand first, and uh, then the left hand second, right. and do them separate. Yeah, right. I'll cheat a little bit, sure, but sure. um, but for just writing stuff, it, it's cool to you come up with chords that you wouldn't yeah, yeah. necessarily use. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of that on this new Lucero record. Mm-hmm. I think the synthesizers, it. I mean, I know that
1: Petty's used them, you oh, know, for past, sure. Yeah, and uh, if it's done like. Uh, it could be a great pad and a, a create a great ambient
2: sound. That's kind of the thing; it creates a mood. Like I said, it was kind of they were kind of written with movies in mind. I kind of wanted the record to maybe sound like uh, I don't know, sound kind like it was setting up a story and dramatic. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's that's what this one is. I've already started working on demos for the next record though, and it'll uh-huh. be it'll probably be kind of a straight-ahead garage, yeah, kind yeah. of guitar, rock and roll band type sure. record. Uh-huh. Um, just to keep it interesting. Sure. Uh, I, hate, I hate making the same record over and over. So well, I, like I think experiment. we're going to do the
1: same thing. I mean, I, I in the last 15 years, I've accumulated about 80 songs. Oh, wow. And I think we started working on 40 for this and got it narrowed down to 20 and then uh, pick kind of going to pick the best 15 and record them that's cool but what's cool is like the ones that aren't making it it's not that they're not good they just may not have the same cohesion so yeah my plan is to put a record out tour it for a year and then go back in and record another record and put it out and to put out two records within two years we haven't done that like since the 90s
2: so exactly we're gonna lose their shit that would be awesome (laughs) i'm looking forward to that I'm hoping to kind of do the same thing. Because when you're in the studio and when you wrap up a record, that's when, at least me, I'm like, let's just keep going. It's like
1: keeping that door open. Right. In the right. past, when i finish a record, it's like, all right, well, close the creative door, right. grab your suitcase, it's time to go and tour it. But if you can keep that creative door open, it doesn't have to end with that
2: record. And, and then and, uh, it's much easier to get back. the following album. Because if you don't it's like a if you don't use that muscle for a little while, absolutely it's hard to get back into shape sometimes. I'm in that writing kind of mood right now. So I'm hoping to keep it keep it going. But we'll see what comes next. You were talking about having forty or eighty songs. Do you have lyrics for all those? Right
1: now, I'm like, like, I don't know what it is. I'm listening to the songs over and over again. I'm not writing any lyrics. That's what I do. I (laughs) kind of got to go through that process because it's like, the song has to remind me of something. Or maybe I'll think of the premise as I'm listening to it, but I got to just listen to it. I got a list of like provocative titles or one-liners. I do the same thing. The next phase is just kind of, once this move is done, I got to get into deep isolation. Yeah. Start the lyric. I think the trick is right now is I don't want to write a political record. Right. As a matter of fact, historically, I I, I don't write politically because it's not my wheelhouse. But I do feel like there's so much going on in the world right now. And, uh, uh, so it's like the trick is going to be is how to say it without saying it. That's what I, that's my favorite writing by other people. This is like, Oh, I I know what he's saying right there.
2: Right. But he's not or at he's least not exactly I'm interpreting
1: so. it that way. And that's exactly. all that matters because it should be up to every individual to interpret it how they right. want.
2: Yeah. That's the beautiful stuff right there where, and you're not, you're not getting preached to, you're not getting right. propaganda. Exactly.
1: Right or a grocery list or everything that's wrong in the world. Right, right we now. all
2: know we all know that stuff. That that right. uh, that's that's reading the news. But right. in a song, if you can make it apply to uh, numerous situations or just uh, that's we did that. One of the new songs is called "A City on Fire," uh-huh. and uh, it was Great written. Title. Yeah. Ah, thank you. Yeah. And it was written. There were wildfires in California. There was. The marching in the streets it was yeah. right in the middle of all that summer of 2020 stuff sure yeah and i felt like you like i i come to music mm, not for politics uh i'm yeah. there for more of a personal emotional mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. um but we were in the studio and the world was just going crazy outside and so it kind of seeped in to the songwriting well, it process. Affects
1: you. yeah it affects you, you can't so help you can that
2: right about the affection out. That's-
1: so accurate and honest and it's not preachy because if it's affecting you that way, it's going right. to be more than likely affecting this person that way.
2: I went through four or five different drafts yeah. of those lyrics. And Isn't that I,
1: fun when you're writing uh, and you got a full trash can?
2: Oh, 100%. Crumbling up. I mean, I still write <laughs> yep. on paper, crumble it up, yep. throw it in the trash. That's how I know I'm working. Yeah, that that song especially because it did start off a little heavy-handed, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then you refine it a little bit, and, you, yeah. and then you can you can find this word to replace that word, and right. this line, take this line out and replace it with something. And it makes it a little more subtle. I think the song kind of captures that intensity and that mood, mm-hmm. kind of being surrounded by flames and kind of sure. Not, sh- not sure if you can find a way out of this All circle right. of fire. I think I got it where I want it, um, uh, but it definitely took a refining process to get there. And right. I, I don't want anything to be too preachy or heavy-handed. Right. But yeah, you're right. It affects you, and it, it works its way in there one way or another sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have a feeling the world's not going to get any less crazy between now and when you, when you get in the studio <laughs> again.
1: Well, one of my notes I wrote is the world's not getting better as, it's, as time goes on.
2: That's and that's hard for some people yeah. to reconcile. We started off as cavemen, and it's just been a steady progression forward ever since then. Right. And that's not exactly necessarily how it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do this. I mean, I try to stay informed, but at the same time, I feel like I'm just doom scrolling. Right. You know, it's a this, this isn't this isn't uplifting me in any way. Or it's a tough balance. You read about this stuff, and it's just hard to believe that this is just. I don't know if it's just a murder in this town or this going on here or this or right off his wife's head or something like, 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 what the fuck, man?
2: Like what's going on? It's an information overload. Um, Everybody knows much more about what's going on anywhere uh, all the time now, just because it's a 24 hour news thing. You got to kind of protect yourself from that. Um, But yeah, you still want to know what's going on. And, right. uh, it's tough, I, and that's and the, the thing is that's what music's always been for me. It's kind of like a retreat from that, or an um, escape, yeah, an escape from that. Right, um, yeah. and I can just go into these records and songs that I love that take me someplace else. Sucks right here. I, I need to go to a better place. Since I was four years old, I think that's what yeah. music's kind of been oh, for me, me. Too,
1: dude. I mean, um, that's
2: that's exactly the age for me where
1: I literally discovered music, and it this took me, didn't matter what was going on at home. Right. I had this magical place I can
2: go to oh man, and yeah. escape it all. I remember my dad had a <clears throat> bunch of 45s um, and I had like a little kid record player, but I would put on something like the cheesy stuff is what got me right, like rock and robin or rock around the clock, sure, like sure. that 50s stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I was like, I don't know what this is, but I like it. I want to do this. I was four or five years old. I was real, real young. I've always liked that era of music ever, ever since. This is, sounds cheesy too, but that, you remember that movie La Bamba that came out um, in the eighties? That's great. Like I bought that soundtrack and that, that introduced me to Los Lobos. That introduced me to uh, Bo Diddley. It's funny how like, it's kind of a cheesy eighties movie, but it even that living in Arkansas, you're just. You're working with whatever you can get your hands on, um and whatever you can find. It's funny how much something like that can af- affect a kid. Yeah, yeah. Now I, I remember
1: seeing Woodstock, and we had yeah. the, we had the album at the house around the house, and yeah, and uh just. uh But then, so my that was my mom's side more was rock and roll. But then I watched sh- Hee Haw
2: with my dad on Sunday nights. Oh man, yeah, that I remember so. Hee Haw. Oh, haw <laughs> Man, I was growing up in Arkansas. So that uh-huh. was... Hee-haw yeah. might have been a little a little too close to home <laughs> for, yeah. for me. At the time, I couldn't stand Hee-haw when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then you you find your own kind of musical tastes and, and, sure. and paths. Well, but then, then you, you go, go back, you exactly. realize that stuff was like, ah, oh, this has got something. You're like, oh, wait, Buck Owens was on Hee-haw. Oh, all these great yeah. musicians, yeah. talented people were sure. a part of that. And you're like, oh, man, I didn't realize... That's what I was, you know, seeing at the time. I think that kind of works the same for everybody too. It, everybody goes through their—I don't know—sure, their, their phases of discovering sure. new stuff and rediscovering yeah. old stuff.
1: i was 17. I couldn't get through a 10-minute blues song.
2: Right. <laughs> you know I, mean? like, <laughs> I don't have time for this. <laughs> I mean, I like Buddy Waters, but I don't
1: think I can. I got. You know I want to just give me some Ramones. But yeah. then you go to that for a while, and then you just like you get back into it.
2: That's the good thing about music is it's always there just kind of waiting for you to, you know, revisit. Exactly. And it, yeah. it's there when you need it. If you don't need the the fast punk rock songs right now, there's sure. this whole other option over here. Yeah. And then when you need the fast punk rock stuff again, it's it's there for you. So, exactly. that's part of the beauty of it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And now I'm trying to I got this little girl, uh my daughter Izzy, she's 4 wow. now. 4 your only one my it's my only one but i got two uh, teenage stepdaughters as well
1: so So you got a lot of estrogen in our house growing up with my wife was she had two boys we had two boys and me so she was surrounded by testosterone
2: yeah no it's the opposite for me it's all it's all women and um from the ages of yeah four to uh whatever (laughs) and um but I love it. I'm having more fun uh, than I've ever had.
1: I, I have an uncle who ha- who was this. So I, I have this picture and vision in my mind of him having to meet the, the teenager's boyfriend. It's oh, just like having that. And my uncle's crazy. So I would hate <laughs> to be one of these kids. Kids having to meet him. It's kind of like a cross between Mickey Rourke and Jack Nicholson. Oh, my. That's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, and. uh so uh I also imagine what it would be like if I was the dad interviewing the, those kids
2: and I can't imagine what it would be like showing up and having to, <laughs> having to having to meet my girlfriend's dad Mike Ness that would be a that could be I'd be like man I love you honey but I got I got to go I uh <laughs> I don't uh you could be an intimidating guy I think possibly um to a, at least to a well, if I had a girl I would to a I, young suitor I, yeah <laughs> But you had boys, um, so it was different, I guess.
1: It was different, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was still very protective of them, but of
1: course, didn't have to worry so much about that.
2: We've been lucky so far. The older girls have had pretty good taste in young men so uh-huh. far. And luckily, my wife is more in charge of all of that. I'm just kind of... I'm hanging oh. out with the four-year-old, keeping her out of the way sure. while the teenagers do right. their stuff. And um, we'll plug in the microphone... The four-year-old loves the reverb on the microphone. The little PA downstairs in the in the practice room in the basement, uh-huh. where she'll bang on the drums, trying to have trying to let her know that she can play, sure. can play those instruments anytime she wants. Uh, you know, that's a
1: great gift to pass on. And I, I remember when the kids were growing up, and it was like, I don't know if I want them in this business, man. It's this is a tough. It's tough on the marriage. Like if you're being consistent out on the road it yeah. means you're being inconsistent with everything at home it's true it takes a strong woman and it takes uh it takes yeah. a lot and uh, i just didn't know that i wanted my kids in this business but when i saw julian perform his first couple of times it was like that i just couldn't deny he just this like this is right. what he was meant to do wow. i have to i have to support this and My other son's an artist, so same thing. You just want to support him. Julian started with the saxophone when he was about 10.
2: All right, yeah.
1: He was taking uh, uh, lessons from Jason Freeze, who plays with Green Day. Oh, wow. Okay, and uh, learning jazz. But then I would get together with him with an acoustic guitar and just play a rock and roll thing. And rock and roll is half the notes. Right. Jazz. But he just he had these licks and I was like I I I'm trying to get him to pick it up again because
2: it's such man a, it's cool such uh, a good
1: instrument
2: we've got a we've got a little bit of sax on the new record we had the whole horn section for for a yeah. number of years it's fun it's rock and roll <laughs> and, uh, and you don't see a whole lot of horn sections um, but yeah we had Jim Spake the saxophone player come in and play a big sax solo on one of the songs but um. But yeah, that makes sense with Julian, like an instrument like the saxophone, once you kind of understand how licks fit into the song, yeah. you, you can then kind of, once you pick up the guitar, you can yeah, right. already have that yeah. instinct. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, I think, I don't know what kind of instrument Izzy will pick, but um, I want her to pick up something and it can be All anything because right. then sure. she can always change. And it, the skills you learn in one instrument, you can kind of apply those to. Yeah anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping she lets me, her dad be her drummer for a little bit. Cause I've never played drums. I'm really not a good drummer, right. <laughs> but maybe with a six year old or a seven year old. it will be great. I, yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> it's maybe yeah. we'll, we'll be on the same yeah. kind of level. I'm hoping she'll yeah. let me be in her band. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure she will. Yeah. <laughs> the fatherhood thing for me is, it, I don't know. I think you were talking about when you're doing your thing on the road, Mm-hmm. Um, you're focused on that. And if you're doing that like you should, then yeah, you're kind of neglecting things at home. Sure. And if you're taking care of stuff at home, maybe you're neglecting the career. Yeah. It's
1: not that you're neglecting, but you just, it's a, you can't be in two places at once. True. Know? That's and, a better way of saying and, it. And you know how, how all consuming being on the road is. It's like, I mean, if you don't spend your whole day getting ready for that show that
2: night, It's true. It's hard to divide your attention and time, uh, use your time for anything else other than just getting through that performance. Right. I didn't get married till I was 41. Being at home was never that important to me up until sure. recently. Right. A tour to end when you're... When you're yeah. Oh, but it's just you. But it ended up not being the... It started getting a little... It's not the healthiest way to live sometimes, too. No. If, it could be empty. And it's you can empty. fill those hours with <laughs> with stuff that's you know, not... Cause
1: eventually that couple thousand people that night have to go and go home and then, and then, you know, you're kind of left with yourself.
2: Right. Which can be uh dangerous sometimes. Um, but since, but since I got married and I've got Izzy back home, it's been actually easier to kind of balance everything. And yeah, I give them a lot of credit for just kind of, uh, I don't know. I've got a reason to get back home now. I've got a reason to take care of myself a little more. I got people back home that are worried yeah. about me. Right. And I, I think that's really helped.
1: They depend on you and you and you don't want to let them down.
2: You don't want to let them down. Yeah. Man, that's that that's that can be powerful stuff. Sure. You want to let somebody Absolutely. Down. But um but yeah, but then it's still nice to go out and you sing these songs. And now I've got a lot of songs about family and mm-hmm. everybody was worried when I got married. They were like, "Oh, what's What's Lucero going to write songs about if he's not chasing girls and drinking whiskey all the time? Those are only two things. Those were the only things they allowed me to write about, my fans. If it's outside of that, mm, that's all there is to me. (laughs) And
1: Uh, I got to. Hey, guess what? I'm much
2: more. I don't blame them for thinking that I was only heartbreaking whiskey. Um, I had a lot of nights that were, yeah, maybe that's all they saw. Um, and that's all I was putting out there, maybe. But luckily, there is a little bit more. And um, yeah, I like I, now. I love when we are on tour, uh, singing those songs about the folks back home, my my daughter and my wife. Uh, that really, uh, it just feels so good. Well, it's
1: uh, like a maturity and a wisdom happening at the same time.
2: I hope so. Yeah. Um, but still, I think it, I think it sounds like Lucero. It's still it's still a little melancholy and some yearning and some some heartache. But it's the good kind of heartache. It's uh, yeah, the missing the folks back home. So our fans, they grow with us. Yeah, you want them to. And Lucero's been real lucky there. We've got folks that they found the band when we started twenty years ago, and they're still there today, which is amazing. And like, and like I've heard you talk about now they bring now they bring their kids. I've seen
1: both. I've seen parents bringing in their kids but i've also seen kids bringing
2: in their parents <laughs> yeah you know? us Which too great it's, it's super great. cool um yeah. yeah there's like an 80 year old guy there and he's there his his daughter or someone's like yeah, yeah my dad loves you and yeah it's a it's that's awesome. a big it's a big compliment for it sure is. and it makes you feel good about what you're doing you're not stuck just talking to one segment of the population you you can actually right. reach out right. to exactly. more than one type of folks right um which I think Social D does an excellent job of. Um, I remember I was maybe 16 when your self-titled record came out. I just got my driver's license, and I'm driving my mom around somewhere, and I've got that tape in the cassette player, and she's eh, she's not sure what she thinks about Social Distortion, right. But she grew up in Alzheimer, Arkansas. It's kind right. of southeast, Mississippi Delta, <clears throat> all cotton fields and stuff. So when Ring of Fire comes on, She's like, oh, I know, I know this song. This, okay, these guys are all right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, see, no, they're not so bad. They're, they're, that song, then, I
1: remember getting uh, a lot of flack
2: for that prior to really it. Yeah. Oh, from yeah. the punk rockers. Yeah, I was
1: like, you're gonna record a Johnny Cash song? Why? Like, <laughs> uh because I want to like it. Yeah, because Johnny
2: Cash is yeah cooler than almost yeah, anybody else on the planet. you are not going to stay within
1: these confines of like yeah punk and what isn't punk. You're going to tell yeah. me it isn't punk? Yeah,
2: yeah. It, for some folks, punk yeah punk rock can become a little confining if you if you approach it from the yeah. wrong direction.
1: It, uh, well, it's just like anything. I mean, it could just be narrow mindedness. That even something that's supposed to be open minded.
2: I grew up in uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas and we had like a riverfront park uh, the arkansas river runs right through downtown mm-hmm. and in the early 90s it was just abandoned downtown there was nothing down there but um but there was a little gazebo and so punk rock bands would just come and the electricity was still on so you just plug in a PA plug in your amps <laughs> yeah. and put on a show even out of town bands started like calling local folks and setting up shows you took up donations uh, yeah. and any kind of bands you'd have a hardcore band playing with like kind of a pop punk band playing with this weird art rock kind of Devo band. Sure. And it was all happening at the same time. And it was all, it was all punk rock exactly. uh, or yeah. Or in some shows like an old blues guy. I remember a uh, Sedell Davis played at one of these mm-hmm. shows. Uh, and he's a guy that he, he might've fat possum might've put out a few of his records now, but he played with like a butter knife. Cause he had, I'm not sure what happened to his hand. But you've just got all these different things that'll pop up at these shows, and it's all punk rock in its own way. It was all just one scene. I felt lucky lucky growing up in a scene like that. Mm. Yeah, me too. Because, yeah, it makes you think, I can do do anything I want. Lucero, not a very punk rock sounding band, but it came out of that scene. Yeah,
1: Um, I mean, I would go and see the Cramps and Fear the same night, or the Blasters and the Germs, and... Oh, and that's so cool. <laughs> it was just like you didn't think that it was two different things. It was just right. like everyone is here. We're all here. This is it. Right. Whatever we're doing, whatever they're doing is cool. Right. Because no one at my school even knows about this is even going on.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the cool, That's the coolest part about yeah. it. That is something I feel thankful for as far as punk rock goes. Yeah. Uh, just discovering that that world folks are real quick to tell you what you can and can't do and what you right. should and shouldn't listen to. And
1: well, um, I think it's kind of like to like, um, if you look for the similarities rather than the differences. Right. So especially going back into our history, if you look at the similarities of Tom Petty and the Ramones or, or, sure. or just even further back, uh, when Holiday was writing about heroin and bad men.
2: Oh yeah, oh, totally. You know what I mean.
1: So it's like, what's more hardcore than that? Core. That's it's real life. Sometimes say oh, Bone chains are a very punk rock. Well, really? Well, it's about life. Right. So what do you what do you want? What more
2: do you want? If it, yeah. yeah, it's the genuineness that, and it's where it's coming from, and what it's about, and more than
1: how it sounds Mm -hmm. uh Uh, the rebelliousness has been going on for a long time so you just need to look at those similarities you know what i mean it's like williams and sid vicious
2: (laughs) yeah exactly maybe today in like today's music world with just it's all right there on the internet for you you can track down almost anything you want to track down Mm -hmm. so maybe that's kind of opened folks up a little bit they're like you don't have to just like one kind of thing now. I don't know. I've always listened to stuff and then and then got into writing songs just kind of like to get me through the long nights. It gave me something to do to do and yeah. something kind of to feel good about myself. I was like, I wrote a whole song tonight. I don't care what was going on yeah, yeah, down yeah. the street. What the cool kids were doing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I but I wrote this song. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, getting to play it and it I don't know. I kinda of like I like just being part of the even if we're just a kind of a footnote in this whole musical history thing I, I like that we we played a hand a role in it yeah, yeah. As, however small it might be we i got to get in there and right. yeah, and, and play around
1: we got to live so, our dreams man
2: yeah it has yeah. been a dream it's been great
0: yeah it really has thanks for listening to the talk house podcast and thanks to ben nichols and mike ness for chatting if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the Talkhouse podcast on your chosen platform and check us out on all your favorite social channels. This week's episode was produced by Kevin O'Connell and the Talkhouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next week.